Virtual training, it's here to stay. But do you know what you need to know? This is a podcast from Integrity Solutions. I'm Michael Terrell. Virtual training is not sitting in front of your computer on a webinar listening to someone lecture you for 30 or 45 minutes. No one enjoys that. No one really retains information from that. And it's not an effective way to train people. That's a shot across the bow from Integrity Solutions' Johnny Walker, who's been leading in-person and virtual training sessions for years. Now, we know it's taken a pandemic for some organizations to get started in virtual training, but training veterans like Johnny Walker have news for any skeptics. It's really ironic that people think that virtual training is not as effective as face-to-face, when in fact, in some areas, it's even more personal. It creates greater retention, and it's more engaging. We're going to go deep on the topic in this episode with Johnny Walker, who has his own studio for leading virtual training sessions. That's where we found him one morning recently for a conversation about virtual, what to know if you're testing the waters or if you're down a path and need some clarity around the fundamentals. Here's that edited conversation. Johnny, nice to spend some time with you. This is a good and certainly timely topic. Thanks for taking time from your very busy schedule. You're very welcome. It's great to be here, and I'm looking forward to it. Okay, we're going to do this in two parts. First, let's explore how virtual is different than in-person training and how it compares in terms of effectiveness and learning retention. And then, what leaders need to do, the role of the facilitator, and some of the fundamentals for making virtual training succeed. And to get us started, I wonder if you'd elaborate on the comparison between virtual training and webinars and the like. One of the biggest pushbacks I get when I talk about virtual training is the mindset that virtual training is like a webinar, where the participants log in and they sit there and they listen to someone talk for 30 or 40 minutes. And that is not what we're talking about. That's a virtual lecture and no one enjoys it. No one remembers anything. um, And information is exchanged, but that's just about it. In fact, most people are doing other things while they're on that webinar. Virtual training needs to be different. It needs to be in smaller bites of information. It needs to have open-ended questions where people are looking for ways to apply that information and be responsible for sharing those types of answers with each other, possibly in a breakout room or with the large group in a debrief. So virtual training really should be more conversational. If you use the smaller groups of people, 10 to 15 people max, uh, you'll get that intimate group setting to where people are willing to share information back and forth. They're willing to try and make mistakes. And as you go through the different days of deployment, you'll see the cohesiveness of that group come together. And we've even had people say that they were sorry to see it end because of what happens meeting after meeting after meeting when they're engaging each other with information, with application, and there's those intimate conversations. Johnny, let's spend a few minutes now comparing virtual and in-person training in terms of effectiveness and what's referred to as learning retention. I think virtual training can be more effective in several ways. I think one is that you're working with uh, smaller groups of people, so you're able to focus on them. Um, You have people that, uh, in our behavior styles, the talker, doer, supporter, controller, your supporters and controllers will typically sit back during a face-to-face training with a large group of people and allow the talkers and doers to do most of the engaging. 
where on virtual training, because of the smaller setting, because of the ability to put them in even smaller groups and breakout rooms of three to four people, uh, they're required to engage. So more of your people are engaged uh, and those supporters and controllers are uh, more comfortable engaging in those smaller groups. Also, when you look at um, the studies on retention, one of the factors that you have to think about is the maximum memory load. Most people can't remember more than four to five things. When you're doing a face-to-face -face training and you're doing an all-day training, you're doing a, a big information dump and you're giving them a lot of information and the retention is less. When you're doing virtual training, you're taking that one-day training and you're breaking it up through different, maybe different times of that day or over several days, which means the mind has uh, more time to process and people tend to retain more when you're giving them that information in those smaller bites. I also believe it saves time. Uh, even when I'm doing follow-ups with an organization where people could be in the same room and I'm virtual, I ask them to put everyone virtual in their own offices. And the reason for this is that people, when they get up out of their office and they walk down the hall and they go to a meeting room and then they have the meeting and then they chit chat afterwards and then they walk back, an hour meeting will take up approximately an hour and a half of someone's time because of all those interactions walking up and down that hallway. Uh, for a talker, it could be up to two hours, depending on how long he stays in a conversation. Where if you're sitting at your desk and you're engaging people online virtually, uh, when you're done, you're right back to work and you're right back where you were. It's also a cost saver. When you look at the travel and expenses, the T&E, uh, of taking a group of people and putting them all in one place uh, compared to virtual. Even though you're doing um, more kickoffs or more training because you're using smaller groups and you're using that person's time more or you're paying a facilitator for more facilitation time, overall, what we have found is that it's about a 33% cost savings. Even when you're spending a little bit more on the facilitation side, you're still saving approximately 30 to 33% of your costs because uh, travel and expenses are so high. Okay, so to part two of this conversation around what it takes to set the training up correctly and the role of the facilitator and other important issues. First, what's most important about the setup, Johnny, and who should do it? I think it's important that you set the stage correctly. It's important for participants to know exactly what's expected of them in the pre-work while they're uh, on these calls virtually, as well as in between um, the calls. And the best way to do this is through getting top leadership involved, uh, letting them set those expectations. I think the trainer in, needs to give that top leadership. These are the things that we need. These are the things that uh, we expect of these people for this to be effective. And then the top leadership uh, then puts that out there. It's also good for them to be on that first call, have a top leader on that call to reiterate those expectations. So about the facilitator, how do you choose the best one and what's the mindset challenge there? What makes a good facilitator is someone who enjoys watching people grow. It's not necessarily the person that's the most entertaining or the person that's best in front of a group. Sometimes your best trainer is not your best facilitator, especially when you're looking at virtual training. Johnny, can you double-click on the mindset piece a little and reinforce a couple of fundamentals? To really drive engagement, I think the, the mindset has to move from 
being a facilitator trainer in front of a room to a facilitator coach, uh, where a, a trainer gives a lot of information, a coach asks a lot of questions about information to get people to apply it. So as a facilitator coach, you're with the smaller group of people, you're sharing smaller bits of information, you're asking great open-ended questions to get them to think about how to apply this information, and then giving them opportunities to share their thoughts and ideas with each other, and then bounce ideas off each other. And that is where you see the application start to take root. That's the beginning, that's the discovery learning. And that really becomes even more possible in the virtual training world because of the smaller groups and the mindset that the trainer is now a coach. They're not just a facilitator trainer, they're a facilitator coach. I believe that the mindset has to change when you're doing virtual training, especially for the facilitator or the trainer. When you're up in front of a group, you can talk a little bit longer, where when you're virtual, the longer you're talking, the greater the chance you're losing your audience. Uh, there, there's more uh, opportunity for distraction for the audience. They can look on something else on their computer. They can look at something at their desk where when you're in a face-to-face -face training, they're stuck in that room with you. It becomes a mindset shift to engage them in conversation more often. You'll have to uh, give them information in smaller bites, have them comment on it or have them respond to it, put them in breakout rooms to discuss it, bring them back to debrief it. It's not just doing the same exact thing you did before. In fact, uh, I often say that if you're going to tell your stories, you can get away with a longer story in front of a room. On virtual, you need to keep those stories to about 60 to 120 seconds anything longer than that, and you start to lose the audience. What about the differences between virtual and in-person in terms of what I've heard you call the magic in the room? In face-to-face -face training, the trainer feeds off the audience. You can see them. You can almost feel the, the magic in the air, the back and forth. In virtual training, if you don't use video, you're missing out on a lot of that back and forth. I do think that you lose some of that magic and that feeling in that room when you're on virtual. However, it's interesting to me that the deeper I go into that training online, I forget that and, and that magic does show up and people are laughing and people are kind of cutting up or saying a quick comment here or there. It really is a more personal conversation and it can become actually more conversational, uh, more applicable versus the facilitator being the person up front. They are now um, at the table almost. And that's where the breakout rooms become important to be able to put them in their own breakout rooms where the facilitator stays in the main room to give them that personal time to be able to discuss things. But when you bring them back into that main room, you're on that video, you're in that gallery view, your video is the same size as theirs. I recommend using the, the gallery view versus the speaker view so that you're not bigger than them. So you're just one of them. And the you're just leading them through that conversation. Instead of um, being the trainer, you're now a facilitator coach that is just there to help them and lead them through the information and to help them to debrief and just kind of keep the conversation focused. 
Integrity Solutions' Johnny Walker on virtual training as so many organizations lean in to virtual now. His last thoughts are about training the trainer. If you want to deploy virtual training, you can give it a shot and do the School of Hard Knocks like some people have done. Um, But I would recommend that you get trained by a professional. Know how to use your platform. Know how to um, break up your training into smaller bits and bites. Know how to develop those open-ended questions. Maybe even find someone to coach you through that as you set it up initially. Someone that can watch your recordings, record your virtual sessions, send them to your coach, uh, have conversations about where you can grow and improve in this area. Because even though you're a professional facilitator in front of people, even though you know your material, this is a very different setting. And it's a different set of skill sets and you're, or you're using some of your skills very differently. And so having that coach to help you step-by-step step go through it um, and help you along the way um, will help you to become more proficient, uh, competent and confident much faster. Johnny Walker on virtual training and how it's different than in-person training and how to do it well. Johnny is a business associate of Integrity Solutions and the founder and president of Integrity ATL. You've been listening to a podcast from Integrity Solutions. I'm Michael Terrell.